and we will, I invite you to open up your Bibles. Doesn't that sound great? Yeah, I just I invite you to open up your Bibles. You know, praise the Lord that we're able to do that and study the Bible and really look at the Bible and learn the Bible because it's so important for us to know what it says to detect those who are saying different things. Now, we have privileges of meeting certain people along the way in life that really impact your life. Um, And we got to meet some missionaries that um, were in the Philippines. And um, their daughter actually became, and their son-in-law became good friends of mine and Katie. Um, in fact, uh, they had a child a year before Ellie was born um, on the uh, 27th of December. Ellie was born on the 26th of December and almost a year exactly. And uh, why am I sharing this? Because a year later when Ellie was just one, the kid kissed her. And so her first kiss is from this, this kid that was a, a grandson of a, a, a missionary kid. Now, here's what's interesting about them. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the snake story. Anybody ever hear of the true story, the snake story that happened to, to this family? Maybe you may know them a little bit, but it's the, uh, it's the, the snake story is uh, called One Cobra in the Car is One Too Many. <laughs> now listen, to you can't even make this up. I mean, this is amazing what happened. They just get done preaching. Right? This is how God protects missionaries. They just get done preaching and they get, there were six of them at the time. They had more kids later on, but there's six of them at the time and they get in this four passenger vehicle. Welcome to the mission field. And, um, they get in this and they're driving. And as they're driving, um, they, 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 uh, they brought the lunch and everything. They began packing the car. And as they're doing that, um, one of the kids starts to scream, there's a snake. There's a cobra. Um, so the father, what does the father do? I mean, what would you do if you were a father and somebody yelled cobra? What would you do? Kill the snake. Yeah, <laughs> Did he just say he'd kill the kid? Wow. Don't interrupt. I know, yeah. The car was stopped. And they see the snake, right? And he would kill a kid. But anyway, the... Uh, what any other father would do that uh, loves the Lord and loves his family would look run after the snake. And so the father runs after this and can't find the snake. They can't find the snake. The snake is gone. And, um, and then they remembered something. In the old car that they had, there was holes on the bottom of the car. And it was very easy for the snake to go up into one of those holes and hide. And so they took all the luggage that they had out of there and, and everything because they were traveling to another city to preach in another city. And they, they take all the luggage out. And as they're taking the luggage out, um, they don't find the snake is gone. Snake is gone. They get into the car. They're fine. They're, they're driving. And um, as, as he's driving, you know, bumpy roads, Philippines, welcome to the Philippines. He, he hits a road. Whoop, here comes the cobra. Falls right out of the glove box mm-hmm. right underneath the thing there and starts to bite his boot. And now watch this. He's biting the boot. The kids in the back are screaming. I mean, you would be screaming too. One kid, 20 months old. Right? My friend. 20 months old. 
sitting in, in the thing, the snake goes into the back and bites her in the leg. Right? Now the family's panicking. The snake already bit the foot of the father, the boot, bit the child. They run to a hospital. As they get to this hospital there, they only have a few minutes because, you know, a snake bite can kill right away. They get to the hospital and they hear these words. We don't have anything to stop this snake bite. We, not, we have no antidote. No anti-venin, nothing. We, we, nothing we can do. And so the family's sitting there and they're just ready for the child to die. This is it. And by God's grace... Apparently, when the cobra struck the father, a lot of the venom came out and only a little bit was left. Still could have killed the child, but didn't. And they released the child with this on the child thing, saying this. Listen to this. Discharge report said one word. You ready for this? Miracle. Miracle. The baby survived. Now she has... A lot of kids, praise the Lord, loves the Lord, pastor's wife. Amazing how God protected her. Let me just tell you this. There's a lot of striking going against the church right now. And it's a miracle we've survived. It really is. Because we are living sometimes and we think we don't have an antidote. I mean, what do you say when the world is doing what they're doing? And they're preaching what they're preaching. And they're saying the things that they're saying. And they, they feel convinced that what they're saying. And the whole world is just buying it hook, line, and sinker. And people in the church are just sitting there getting bit. And they're doing nothing about it. It's a miracle we've survived so long. And so today, this is why I love this passage of Scripture. And I don't know, is it working or not working today? Is something going on? Okay, here we go. I was a little worried there. All right, the snake story, and then let's go on to what is an antidote? I mean, what exactly does an antidote mean, and what is it? It's, it really, literally, just, it's, it's something that will, it's a substance that will counteract um, a form of poisoning. And today I want to look at an antidote that we have for these antichrists. I mean, how do we stand up against them that are preaching and opposing and putting themselves in the, in the place of, 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 of Jesus Christ and teaching things that are false? Well, remember last week, some of you guys were on vacation, so it's okay, you know. Remember, I'll preach the whole message from last week, amen? And, uh, but remember last week, here's one of the characteristics. Here's where alarms should be going off in our heads. What happens to these antichrists? There's a departure. They, they, they don't stay to, to good teaching. They don't stay in good fellowships. They leave churches. They leave good churches. They can't handle good churches. They, they leave the good places and, 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 and they take, here's what's sad about it. They often take people who don't know the Bible with them. Uh, you know, MacArthur thinking in the positive side, he says, isn't it great that they leave the churches and the false teachers leave so we don't have to deal with them? Well, that's, that, that part is good, but the bad part is, and the sad part is, is oftentimes they take people who don't know the Bible. And they follow them. I was blown away by, by hearing about one guy that preached that the church age is over and we're in the tribulation. And you need to stop giving to churches and stop going to churches and start giving to him. 
And one of the leaders of a church, a good, sound, Bible-preaching church, said to his pastor, I'm out of here. I'm going to follow that man. How sad is that? It's happening. There's a departure. They, they, they leave verse 19, and, and it shows that they were never part of us anyway. Although, although people say, oh, what happened to them here? It just shows that they never were real believers. They never really did trust in Christ. They leave the fellowship. That's a red flag. There's another red flag. Look at verse 32. I mean, 32, 22. Watch this. Look how he starts it off. There's a denial. Who is the liar? Interesting how he doesn't say who is a liar. Now, liar is a harsh word to call somebody. But we know who the liar is. Who is the liar? Satan himself. Who is the liar, he says here? Who, who is the one lying? Who is the one that is not telling the truth? Who is the one here? Look at this here. It's the one who denies. Now notice what they deny. Jesus is the Christ. They are denying that Jesus Christ is the anointed one who has been set apart by God the Father to come to this earth to die for our sins, be buried and rose again. And by denying He is the Anointed One, they are denying His deity, that He is the Son of God. And so they're minimizing who Jesus is. And they're making Him a mere human. Listen to this. I was, I was looking what Christian science believes. Are you ready for this? Let me tell you a little bit about it. Christian science believes in the Bible. Okay? Believes in the Bible. But the Bible is not inerrant. The Bible just has authority. In other words, the Bible has errors. Christian science believes that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. But they don't believe he's God. They reduce the deity of Christ and they said there's divinity in Christ, but there's no deity in Christ. Look at the words they use. He's not God. Whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, God. This is what? The Antichrist. Let me just tell you to you the way one guy said it, my good friend John. Look what he says here. Any denial, deviation or distortion of the scriptural view of Jesus Christ. And look what he names there. His incarnation, that he is both the Son of God and the Son of Man, the promised prophet, the priest, the king, the redeemer, constitutes him what? The spirit of Antichrist. Anyone who preaches a Jesus that is not found in the Bible is the spirit of Antichrist. Anyone. I don't care how religious... I don't care how good they do to society. I don't care how nice they are. And here's what I'm going to tell you. These are often very nice people. And very good talkers. But any denial of who Jesus is, is the spirit of Antichrist. They'll deny one thing or another. You've heard people say this. Well, we have the same God. We just disagree on who Jesus is. Watch what this verse says here. Look at this. Verse 23. Whoever denies the Son, here it is, does not have the Father. That whoever is universal. Put anyone's name there. I don't care who they are. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. 
Any deviation from who the son is does not have the father. It's a package deal. And we start with the son. Here's what's amazing. We're not starting with the father. It was, it, we were at this um, fountain festival here and we were witnessing the people. And I remember talking to somebody and she mentioned that she was a religion. I won't mention a religion, but mentioned she was a religion. And so I said, so who is Jesus? And you know what she said? Well, we start with the father. The father's a wonderful. No, 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 no. We start with Jesus. Who is he? Because if we miss who he is, we don't have the father. And oftentimes we say, oh, God loves you and has a wonderful plan. We'll start with the Son. Who is the Son? Who is Jesus? But here's the good news on verse 23. Look at this. The one who confesses the Son has what? The Father also. Here's the package deal. Praise the Lord. If we get the Son right, guess what? We get the Father with that. So he says, the one who denies does not have, but the one who confesses and really understands who the Son is, that he is God. He came in the flesh. He died for our sins. He was buried and rose again. He is the God of the universe, has the Father. And it doesn't have the spirit of the Antichrist. You say, what antidote do we have for people who say these things. And here's what makes it tricky. I look on websites sometimes and I look at doctrinal statements and they sound so good. They look so good. And you have to really study to see what's going on here. And some of we just don't see it. So what's the antidote that we have? Well, notice this in verse 24. He's going to mention the first one. As for you, I love this. As for you, let that abide in you which you have heard in the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Here's what he's saying. Let the Word of God remain in you, live in you, grip your soul. Not only just hear it, but let it abide in you. Let it remain there. Grip it. Let it grip your soul. Here's what's amazing. I was, I was reading something. Um, the word abide, look at this, uh, occurs six times in this section. The idea is to continue a, a simulation of God's truth to experience. It means not just to hear something, but to continually assimilate it to your life. Now, I, I don't want people to raise their hand on this one because I'm scared to ask this one. I've preached over 300, almost 50 sermons here in Whitefield. 350. How many do you remember any of them? <laughs> I, well, I hope, well, yeah, well, thank you. So, well, you guys, I'm going to take out the mod later. But, you know, how, many, how many devotions, let's think about this just for this for now. How many devotions have we had this year? Let's say we've had 250, we haven't missed a day. There's only like 100 and something days left. We've had 250. How many of those devotions are still gripping our soul? We hear truth and we leave truth. When God says one of the antidotes to stand up to these people is to hear truth and let the truth abide in you. To grip you. To continue to, to, to put it to the experience of your life here. Notice this here. I, I, I put it, what, which truth of God is abiding in your soul right now? What, what truth is just gripping your heart right now that's just firing your heart? You say, I don't have any that's... Gripping my soul right now. Well, I'll give you one to grip. Look at this, verse 25. 
Here's a beautiful promise to grip our souls. This is the promise which He Himself has made to us. You ready for this? Eternal life. Now here's what's funny. Ask somebody what eternal life means. You know what they're going to say? A long life. It's eternal. Well, yeah, that's the first word. And by the way, I can't grasp that because everything, you know, has a beginning and an end in our lives. But what's eternal? I mean, how is it that we sing that song, Amazing Grace, and then we say 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. How is that 10,000 years? And we have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Can you imagine our talks in heaven, how they're going to be? So how long have you been here? Well, about 2,345,000 years. How about you? <laughs> I've been here, well, only a million. Oh, that's it? You haven't been here a million years? That's nothing. We got eternity to hang out together, amen? We're going to be here a long time together. You better get used to people here on here. You're going to be with them a long time in heaven. A long one. That part, you know, we get a little bit, but the life part we miss. Eternal life is not something that we're waiting for. It's something that we have right now. The moment that we accept Jesus Christ, His life comes inside of us. And now we have new life. We have a different life. We have the life of God inside of us. That begins the moment we're saved and it will last forever. Now here's the, here's the problem with it. We don't really rejoice in the life we have now because there's a lot of things that diminish that life here on this earth. Let me tell you, I praise the Lord that we're in between two schools and we get to be a witness to these schools. And, but it makes me sad to find needles on our property. It diminishes things. It diminishes when we hear about operations and people getting sick and people having COVID and people dying. It diminishes the life that we have here on this earth. But here's what's amazing thing about eternal life. The moment that we're in His presence, we're going to live a life that has none of those hindrances again. He's going to take all those barriers away and all the things that suck the joy out of the life we ought to have here on this earth will never suck the joy out of the life we're going to have in heaven. Amen. He says, this is the promise. This ought to grip your soul. This is a, a guarantee. By the word, that word promise means a guarantee. It will happen. He's not saying this might happen. God is obligated to make this happen. He promised this to us. And what did he promise? Eternal life. He promised that we're going to live forever with him. He promised that one day we're going to be in his presence and we're not going to have to deal with all these things that diminish the life. He promises that right now, the moment that we accept him, his life is living in us and we can have fellowship with him. That ought to grip your soul. And that's an antidote. It ought to abide with you. Think about that the next time that something happens to you and you see things that you don't like. Say, Lord, thank you that I have eternal life. Thank you that your life is in me right now. I'm not waiting for this. And thank you one day you're going to take away these barriers that diminish this life. Help me, Lord, to have the joy of the life right now. Help me, Lord, to live for you right now. Let it grip your soul. Let it abide in you. But look at this next thing. Look at this other characteristic. 
There's not only quantity of eternal life, but the quality of God's life in us right now. But look at the characteristic of the Antichrist. There's a departure. They depart, right, from the fellowship and from different things. There's a denial. They deny who the real Jesus is and they make him a mere human. But look at another thing. There is a deception. Now watch this. Look at verse 26. There is an absolute deception here. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to do what? deceive you. The word there is planets. And back then, they would look at the planets, and the planets would be there, and then sometimes they wouldn't be there, and they, they would be there, and they wouldn't be there, and they were deceivers to the people. And they thought the planets were wandering. And so they used that word as a, as, as a wandering. And, and here's what people are, are trying to make us do. They're trying to make us wander from God's truth. That's the, the goal of an antichrist. They want to make you wander from what God says. And we think God says it, but we just wander a little bit. And we say, you know what? God really didn't say that. And so is Jesus God? Maybe he isn't God. Is he a human? What, what is he? So they wander just a little bit from it. And they cause us to wander from it as well. They try to trick us. And they use things, common terms that we use, and change the meaning of the term. So salvation no longer means salvation. And Jesus is no... Jesus, and, and they even put Jesus in some of their churches. And it's not the Jesus of the Bible. They're trying to make us wander. So what does God do to help us not to, to wander from the truth? Here it is. This is beautiful. We talked about it a little bit last week, but we're going to mention it more here. This is beautiful. Look at verse 27. Here it is. Here's what God does. He gives you an Italian preacher to stop you from wandering from the truth. You know what it says there? Amen. You got it there? No, you're seeing it? Watch this. This is beautiful. As for you, look at this. Verse 27, don't ever miss this. The anointing which you have received from him. Remember what the anointing is? What is the anointing? The holy what? He says this. The Holy Spirit which you have received from him. Guess what he does? He abides in you. Now watch this. Look what he says here. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. Okay, let's shut our Bibles and go home. Right? Amen? Nope. You don't need a preacher. Got the Holy Spirit. You don't need no. You guys should use this at school. You know, when you go back to the academy here. Oh, I don't need anyone to teach me. Look at the Bible. <laughs> Physics, I can learn that on my own. Calculus, get out of here. I don't need anything. I don't need any teacher at all. I'll just live my life. Is that what it's saying? Some take this verse, watch out here. Some take this verse and say, you know, I, I don't need pastors and all that. I don't need godly teachers. I don't need those people. I just have the Holy Spirit. Well, here, here I'm going to say this to you. Praise God you have the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you a little bit about teachers for a moment. Okay? You ready for this? Let's look at this. Truths about godly teachers in the church. First thing we need to understand, they're God's gift to the church. Not one amen. Well, they're God's gift to the church. <laughs> and, and, and let me tell you this. Praise God that we have several here in this church. Several. They are God's gifts to the church. 
He doesn't minimize his gifts. He said he gave some to be pastors, teachers to the church for the perfecting of the He gave. They're, they're here to help us to understand and to learn more of the Bible. They're here for that. They're God's gifts. You want to know something else about godly teachers? They're instruments in the Redeemer's hands. I have never been to a concert where somebody picked up a guitar and says, let's give a round of applause for my guitar. <laughs> the guitar is an instrument. We're just instruments. We give a round of applause to God, not to people. Let me tell you something else about godly teachers. They could never take pl the place of the Holy Spirit. I can preach, and I have, till I'm blue in the face, and people just stare at me, and they don't move a bit. I could witness and give all the arguments on how people need to get saved, and I could do it all, but guess what? I can't change one heart. I could never, ever take the place of the Holy Spirit. And yet some try. Some, some, some play it. I remember going to one youth thing and he wanted people to get saved. So he picked up the guitar and he's playing the music really soft. And the youth are, ooh. And uh, do you want to come to Jesus today? Come to Jesus. And all of you, oh, wow. You know, and he had the guitar going. And I almost went forward to get saved. I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> we try to put ourselves in a place of the Holy Spirit. and We can never do that. But let me tell you something we can never, ever do. And don't ever miss this. We can never contradict the Holy Spirit. Any pastor that comes up to you or any teacher in the church tells you, hey, this is what I think it is and the Holy Spirit showing you. It is not that. We could never contradict the Holy Spirit. And so here's what he's saying here. He's saying you have no need for someone to come to you and tell you, okay, this is how it is, this is how, this is how. you have the very Holy Spirit. And so nobody can ever replace the Holy Spirit. And his anointing will teach you about what? All things. Now don't miss this. It doesn't say about all new things. Because here's what you hear sometimes in churches. The Holy Spirit showed me something new. No one's ever heard it before. It's not in any Bible. No book, no nothing. It's just the Holy Spirit in me. Uh-oh. Where do you get that from? Now we have no way of contradicting it. And then look at this. Look what he says. He teaches you about all things. Somebody once said this. The teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit, what we call illumination, does not involve revelation of new truth. Rather, it is the enablement to appropriate God's truth that has already been revealed. In other words, here's what the Holy Spirit does. You hear a sermon. You have your devotions. You read your Bible. And all of a sudden, you look at the Bible and you see a verse and you go, wow! I've never seen that before. And then you come up to me, Pastor, look at his verse. And I'm like, yeah, I preached it two weeks ago. <laughs> How have you never seen it before? I explained it. I went word by word through the Greek, everything. You understood it? Or the worst is when a, a guest speaker comes in. It says the same exact thing I've been saying for the last two years. And somebody comes up and says, wow, I needed that. Wow, I've never seen that. Yes, you have. <laughs> well, maybe you haven't. And maybe it was just that moment that the Holy Spirit said, you know what, I'm going to show him that or her that. 
And they're going to be sitting in their, in their thing and just can't control them. Wow, I see it. This is amazing. I, I remember in seminary, they thought I was nuts because I would be sitting in a room studying and it was all new to me, all new. And we had neighbors and they would just hear, I'm going to praise them. Wow, this is amazing. Woo, praise God. And they're like, there's Jeremy again. He must have saw something in the Bible he hasn't seen before. He's going nuts here. And then a week would go by and they would be, I'm going to pray, I'm believe, I'm on fire, look at this. And they're like, yeah, we learned that in Bible college. You'll, you'll see it again. It's amazing when the Spirit of God just shines the light on the Bible and you just see it. And no preacher can ever make you see it like the, Bible, like the Holy Spirit can. He's saying, you know what? Look at this. I love this. Look at his verse. He says, his, his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and not a lie. And just as it is t- has taught you, you what? Abide in him. Trust in him. Depend on him. Go to him. Ask him. Show me, Lord, in the word. What is this? Is this true? Show me. I'm hearing things. Why is woke wrong? Why is the social gospel wrong? Why is denying Jesus Christ as the Messiah wrong? Show me these things. You're there in my life. Thank you. Abide in Him. Let the truth of the Word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, abide in you so that you have the antidote against these antichrists. He says, remain in Him. Now, here's here's an amazing thing. Uh, somebody this morning gave me this illustration. And, and here's something to ponder. How are you using God's word and God's spirit to fight against the spirit of Antichrist? You know with these phones now, and we all have them, um, they tell us how many minutes we spend on each thing. Right? Can you imagine if it had a little block of how many minutes we're spending in prayer and in the Bible and God's word each day? How big would our block be? How thick would our time be? And somebody says, but I just don't understand what they're saying is true or not. And the reason why is because we're not spending time in what God has already written. And we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to take what he has written to fight against those that are saying things that are off the wall. And the snake is biting. And he's grabbing people in good churches. And they're falling prey because they don't know what God says. I pray that we not only hear the word, but we remain in the word. We allow the word to dwell in us richly. That we allow the word to grip our hearts that we reflect on the Word, we study the Word, and then we allow the Holy Spirit to shine more light on the Word. And then when somebody comes up to you and says, so why aren't you woke? Well, I'll show you why I'm not woke. And you pull out your Bible and you show them a verse. Mm -hmm. Or somebody says to you, why why aren't you this? And you pull out your Bible and you say, "Uh uh-uh. Or when you hear a sermon, the alarms are going off because the Word of God and the Spirit of God are working in your life. We need to use God's word and God's spirit to fight against them. If not, we're going to get bit. And so my question to you is, how are you using it? How are you allowing it to work in your heart?
Let's pray. Our Father, as we take these few moments to prepare our hearts for communion, I really pray for your protection upon this church. For as loud and as long as I could preach, Lord, I could never protect this church like you can from the spirit of the Antichrist. From those who are departing good churches. From those who are denying our Savior. For those, Lord, who are wandering and deceiving and trying to cause others to wander from the truth. God, only you, with your word and with your spirit, can protect this church. So I pray, Lord, not that we would just be people of the word and just study the word each day, but I pray, God, more than that, I pray that when we study the word, that the word would continue to abide in us. That it would grip our souls. That we would see things and go, wow, wow, this is incredible. (laughs) That your Holy Spirit would shine light. We need light now more than ever before. Shine light on your word. Help us to see it clearly. Correctly. Lord, even with our greatest intentions and even with all the studies and everything, we are sinful people. And so, Lord, we need your eyes. We need your ears. We need your help. So we look to you. And I I pray for those that aren't spending any time in your word, that today would be the day they say, no more of that. I can look at my phone and see I spend hours in this and hours in that, but very little in in your word, that, Lord, I want to spend time in your word. So that would be a priority to them right now. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name and for his glory. Amen.